0: This morning, we're going to continue with the series uh, Relational Intelligence. Relational intelligence is, is the ability to define and then to align relationships. Relational intelligence is the ability to define relationships and then take those relationships and align them in your life. Not every person should have the same position in your life. Amen? Last weekend, we we brought a message about friends. It was called Friend Request. You can go online and listen to that. It should be up by now. Um, and, And so what we talked about in that message last Sunday was that you can have friends and they can be in different places in your life, but not everybody's in the same place and not everybody gets the same access into the most intimate parts of your life. Because if you do, the Bible says this, the Bible says to guard your heart above all else for it, it determines the course of your life. If you live wide open and everybody gets access into your most intimate place, then that's where a lot of damage happens. That's why I get real nervous when I see uh, people that, you know, there's no people at that OSC that do this ever, but, but I see people on social media and they just, honestly, they just lay their heart out there. Like all their business and their heart and I'm just like, bro, stop, or girl, stop, You shouldn't do that. Don't don't leave your heart wide open. And then what happens, here comes the comments, right? And so relational intelligence is the ability to define the relationships and then to align them in your life. And so today, with the privilege of having Cheryl here with me today, we're going to talk about marriage. And next to Christ, I don't love anybody as much as I love Cheryl. Cheryl. You said, well, that's good, Pastor. You should do that. But I do that because I want to, not because I have to. And so I want to just kind of take you back down memory lane, uh, just show you a few pictures. This is when we were dating. Whoa. Yeah. Go. Slick face, hair, <laughs> parted to Look the at side. at
1: hair, though? What?
0: Come on. No double, well, a slight double chin. Not too bad. <laughs> so yeah.
1: So Jesus, right. Them people
0: are fine. I'll tell you what, next picture would be wedding day, look at that, still got hair, notice, make a mark of that, still have hair when I got married, Mm -hmm. my beautiful bride, next one, yep, she got me. (laughs) This really describes our relationship, I'm all serious, she's all play, and uh, yep, so that was the wedding, great time, I think it took 15 minutes to get married. (laughs) Pretty much. We're we focused on the reception. Come on, somebody! Like I'm not making you sit in church. Mm-hmm. Let's go eat some. And then this is the fruit of that marriage. Say "aw." Little. Yeah, Ethan finally grew into those ears. <laughs> <laughs> now he hides it with his mullet. <laughs> Good-looking mullet, son. But yeah, precious, beautiful kids that came along the way. Every one of them different and special in their own way. Mm. And thank God so much for them. What a blessing. And then, then the next one is 10 years in. Notice 10 years, no hair. Very I'm not trying to say anything. black
1: beard, though. Very black goatee. beard.
0: Black goatee, yeah. Yeah, that was 10 years in on a cruise. Whew, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep, next one. This was not too long ago. we were at Jefferson Island, did a wedding in the afternoons. a beautiful place, had a beautiful time. me and my bride we 've aged a little bit, mostly me we've got different shapes now
1: <laughs> let 's not talk about that
0: yeah so we're we 're twenty two years in. We dated for four years and then we finally decided to get married and and we 're twenty two years into this marriage and just just glad to be. Doing this with you, babe. Sure, thankful that God gave us the children we have and the friends that we have, which mm-hmm. is very valuable. Um, I don't know if we would have ever made it where we are today without the friends yeah. that God has placed in our life. Uh, so, we're talking about relationships, and every relationship is important, right? Mm-hmm. You know, every relationship has a purpose. Can I say that one more time? Every relationship has a purpose. Yeah. Sometimes its purpose is to bring destruction in your life. Sometimes its purpose is to enhance and help you to find and discover your destiny. So why do we need to pay attention to our relationships? Because they have a purpose. Amen. Amen. So Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19 uh, verse 3 to 6. He said the Pharisees were intent on putting Jesus to the test with difficult questions. So they approached him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures about creation, Jesus replied. The creator made us male and female from the very beginning. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and live with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. From then on, they are no longer two, but united as one. So what God unites, let no one say no one, no one, let no one divide. Satan has an agenda for your marriage. God has a an agenda for your marriage, but Satan has an agenda for your marriage. His agenda is to bring destruction. Via division, he wants to cause division so that he can ultimately bring destruction to your marriage. How many of you would be real honest with me this morning if you're married and you would say, "Ah, we've experienced some division along the way? Okay, about half of you are being honest. I know better. All of us should have raised our hands because Satan does bring division into all of us at different times, but praise God that division doesn't always stay there. Right? So he has an agenda, but God made the two become one, and Satan's goal has been to make the one become two. He wants to bring it back to where it was before God united you together. And hopefully today you discover why it is so important to stay united in your marriage. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. He said, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So today, we want to identify the things in our relationships Mm -hmm. that can divide us. The title of our message today is United We Stand. Mm -hmm. You know the other part of that phrase, right? Divided we fall. But united we stand. Cheryl and I use a term called fighting the good fight in marriage. It's, it's not fighting for the sake of trying to win over the other person. Yeah. It's fighting so that we ultimately win by gaining understanding and perspective and, 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 and closing the gap in the division. Amen? Yeah. So you can choose to not fight, and that's one good thing. Okay, so we're going to make a pact. We're going to do the best we can not to fight. Okay, great. But that's only going to last so long you got to choose to fight the good fight, which means this, that when offenses come and things come, that you fight for understanding, you fight to get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so today we want to give you a couple of points on how we can become divided. Yeah.
1: Um, the first point is unappreciative differences. How many of you know that God created men and women different? <laughs> I know it's an epiphany, but yes, he created us different. We hear things differently, we see things differently, we experience things differently. Our emotions are different, and so um, how do you know? How many of you know that opposites attract? But often we get married, and then opposites attack. So the things that we are different in, we end up beginning to fight about.
0: Say that one time opposites what? Attract. But what happens if you don't? Attack. Oh, so opposites attack, okay.
1: Yep, we end up fighting about the things that we're opposite in. And so, for instance, I'm a saver, Jamie's a spender, so how many of you know that we fought many fights over money? (laughs) Lots. Um, But I'm a planner, and also Jamie's a fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of guy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I need to have a plan, Where's your plan? He's like, well, we'll figure it out as we go. And how you know it's very unsettling for someone who's a planner. But I want you to know that differences make you a great team. Sure. It can make you a great team. I, I would always say, and I've told my friends this, if Jamie was like me, we'd have a whole lot of fun, but we'd get nothing done. And if I was like him, we'd get a whole lot done and no fun. <laughs> Because that's how I'm more laid back. He's more work-oriented and getting task-oriented, that kind of thing. So we've learned to appreciate our differences, and now we work better together. And um, I appreciate he's, Jamie's a visionary. He, he sees things a lot of times where I don't see things. And it used to um, scare me in the beginning, but I've learned to appreciate it. And um, we talk it out. Communication is a key. The main, one of the main keys in um, expressing our feelings and how we're going to get this ship down the road. And so we can be different and still be united. And that's, that's the main part, point.
0: That's good. So we can be different. So it's okay to be different and you can still be united. Isn't that good? So the second, second thing that might cause division in our lives is unrelenting selfishness. I know none of you struggle with selfishness, but I do um, my name's jamie i'm selfish okay uh, Philippians has something to say about that Paul said this don 't be selfish thanks paul uh, don 't try to impress others. be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too when we had when we had young kids i would um, when the kids were probably the age of that picture and younger, I would come home with these expectations. And I know none of you guys have ever done this. You've never come home from a hard day's work and she's been home all day with the kids and you walk in and there's clothes and toys everywhere, like the dishes aren't clean. There's a pile of clothes in the laundry room. And and I, I so pray for me. So I would walk in, I'd be like, dang, what this girl did today. Like she ain't did nothing. Like, come on, girl. I remember I was pr- production-oriented. I, I was a pusher. I was a guy who believed in getting things done. And I, I had a real problem with that because I didn't understand what she was going through during the day. I was being selfish. Selfish. So I came home with these expectations that she was supposed to get all this stuff done. Everything was supposed to be great. I came into marriage with the mindset that I'm going to come home. It's going to be glistening clean. It's going to be peaceful. There's going to be some soft music playing. I'm going to walk in. She's going to be fine. The kids are going to be chilled. We're going to have supper and just have a great time that night.
1: Reality. It, I can have the expectation,
0: but I'm just probably not going to get it, right? And, and so it, I remember one time she, she went away for the day with one of her aunts or something, and she left me home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the ladies oh yeah. are going, you're going to learn today, buddy. So, so I wish I could tell you I did this out of a good, pure heart, that I cleaned the whole house and got everything tidy and right and made sure all the kids were alive when she came home. But I'll be honest with you, I did it with a malicious heart, with a very selfish heart. I, 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 I killed myself that day trying to make everything perfect before she got home. Why? Because I was trying to prove to her that it is possible to do what I expect you to do. And By the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I ain't gonna lie to you. I I would have never admitted it, but I was like, I'm gonna pull concrete tomorrow. That's easier than this. And I had everything all pretty when she got home and she walked in and she was unimpressed. And I was like, and I've been selfish. I've been selfish in many different ways all throughout the years. Jesus said this in Matthew 19. He said, so what God unites, you see, you got to understand something that God brought us together. God unites us. Amen. He's the one that, that, that brings us together. He's the one that caused the attraction between me and Cheryl. I used to think it was my thighs, but I realize now it's God, okay? She's, she's, God united us together, and so if we're not careful, sometimes we can act as if we own this marriage. Mm-hmm. But what if I, I throw something new at you today? What if I challenge your thinking and say, maybe you don't own it, but maybe you're a good, are supposed to be a good steward of this mm-hmm. marriage? Because you see, marriage is not a 50-50 transaction. That's divorce. Divorce is 50-50, split everything in half. You take half and leave, I take half and leave. Marriage is 100%. I go 100, she goes 100. Anytime I go 99, we start to have a little riff. Make sense? We're, we're called to be stewards of this marriage. And, and in reality, excuse me, <coughs> in reality, your wedding day was a funeral. It was a funeral. You or me died that day. And what came out of the grave was we and us. Amen? Amen? So, me died that day. So, really, it was a funeral. The greatest relationships anyone can have is when two servants are in love with each other. So, I want to share with you two areas of selfishness this morning. My first area, or our first area of selfishness, was my needs. You see, an owner in a marriage focuses on his own needs, and he, he looks to his partner or his spouse to meet those needs not in, without any consideration of the other person. When it came to intimacy, when I would, I would put my need for intimacy before I would consider how, what kind of a day she had, before I would consider how she was feeling. I came home with expectations for intimacy, and she had expectations for other things. And then I would almost at times try to force myself. At times I would try to, I would get frustrated. It, would be, it became a point of frustration in our marriage because I had needs and she didn't want to meet my needs. And then there was times where, where she, she wouldn't meet my intimacy needs because I wasn't meeting her needs in other places. And so we found ourselves at one point in a standoff. Like if you meet my needs, I'll meet yours. And that would work for two days. And this went on for years, and it became a cycle in our life that we began to fight about until we started to change some things, and we started to look at each other's needs and not our own. Marriage is taking your eyes off of yourself and putting them on the other person and saying, how can I meet your needs? Whether I get anything in return or not, how can I meet your needs? Here's the secret we're learning today. We haven't mastered this. I know we're pastors, but can I just give you a little disclaimer? We still fight. And, and so, so the goal is this. How can I meet your needs? My focus is to meet your needs and not worry about if you meet mine in return, But just trusting that God is going to do something and she'll start to meet mine. Amen? So I need to focus on her needs. That's the verse before this where it talks about looking to others and considering others before yourself. So so in order to stand united, I must commit to prioritizing my spouse's needs over my own. Then the second area of selfishness was time. How many of you have heard these phrases? We don't spend enough time together. You don't spend enough time with the kids. You're always spending time with your friends and not me. I don't know why, but I just hear a woman's voice when I read those words. (laughs) It seems like I've I've heard women say that more than men. Probably. Yeah. I think it's true, right? Most of the time, women are saying, you're not giving me time. Why? Because usually time is, is more important to a woman than it is to a man. Right. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Men don't need a lot of time. That's okay if you don't say amen, guys. I know you mm-hmm. got to go home. <laughs> but here's the truth. Everybody and everything mm-hmm. wants your time. Yeah. We need to be intentional on who and what we give it to. Mm-hmm. Okay, some of you parents, I'm going to have to bust your bubble real quick because you see,
1: mm-hmm. your
0: kids are going to come and they're going to go. Yeah. But you guys will be what's left over. Can I say that one more time? I'll try to put a smile on my face. Your kids are going to come and go, but one day when they go, it's going to be you and her, and that's it. Yeah. And it's going to be quiet. And, it's, and you're not going to know what to do if you're not careful. What is my encouragement? Keep dating. Mm-hmm. Keep dating, keep taking her out, keep, keep loving on her, keep loving on him, keep dating each other, keep wowing each other, don't stop, I know you're raising kids, and I know they require a lot of time and focus and energy, but listen to me, one day they're going to leave, right? and you better be ready, that's where we are today, I, I'm looking at some of my friends that have already sent their kids out, I'm like, hey man, like, like what did y'all do, Like, because this is going to be weird, you know, like, are you getting what I'm saying this morning? I know when they're young, you don't think that far down the road. But listen to me. If I could rewind the tape, I would be thinking about it as soon as we started having them. Yeah. Amen? Keep dating. Time is the currency of relationships. Time is the currency of relationships. It doesn't always have to be extravagant. But there always needs to be time for one another. Time to connect. Guys, look at me some of you guys are checking out. (laughs) I want to help you. I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I'm learning. Cheryl needs time. What does that mean? That means I have to set aside time for one-on-one. She asks me every Monday, how was your meeting? She asks me every day, how was your day? I'm like, it don't change much. It was the same. That's what I'm thinking inside. But so what do I need to do? I got to shut my mouth, right? And I got to sit still and give her some undivided time and attention. We're trying to help you out, guys. You got to stop and give her some time and attention. We need to be connecting every day. Ladies, I'm preaching better than you're responding. We need to connect every day. That's verbally. That's eye-to-eye contact. That's presence in the room with one another. A good hug. A good kiss. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the friends that I have. My, my friend Greg and Lisa, every morning, he, he challenges me with this. Every single morning, Greg lays his hands on his wife, and he prays for her before he walks out the door. Yep. If he's working out of town, he calls her, wakes her up, and prays for her every morning. Mm-hmm. You challenge me, bro. And I need friends like that. Amen? Mm-hmm. So we have to stay connected.
1: So point number three is unresolved offenses. So the question is not are you going to have a, relation, a relationship that has offended, you know, you might think, well, I might not be offended, but they will come. So the question is, what are you going to do when they come? Are you going to stay offended, or are you going to choose to forgive? And so um, I would, when I would get offended, when Jamie would say something to hurt me, well, you didn't intentionally try to hurt me, something but stupid, something yeah. stupid. But I would get offended, and I'd get mad, and the first thing I want to do is talk about it, right? Because us chicks want to talk about it. We want to resolve it. and um, And he would be, run away, run away. But so when I would offend him, he would stuff it and stuff it and stuff it until he would blow. And it would be like three weeks of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? Um, so communication, again, <laughs> we learn how to talk through our offenses. Um, the reason it's so hard for many people to find joy is because they get so easily offended. If someone don't like your post on Facebook, somebody gets offended. If somebody just says something in passing, whether they intentionally meant it or not, they get offended. We're a society that lives offended. And so um, the older we get, the more things we should learn to let go of. Um, What offended me yesterday shouldn't be offending me now. So I used to always get offended at the little things because it's the little things that build up half the time. So, you know, if they leave their clothes on the floor, you got to pick after up after them or whatever it is. I'll never forget, I was in a marriage life group one time, and it was this older couple, and her husband was going through cancer. And one of the wives was just complaining about having to pick up her husband's socks and having to do laundry and yada, yada, yada. And the older lady just looked at her and said, You know, I choose not to be upset over those things because I have a husband that's fighting for his life. It's a perspective change and so that day my perspective changed, not to say that it automatically worked but um, because I still get frustrated sometimes but it's what I choose to do with it, right? And so, so it can always it made me think of well at least my husband's not battling cancer so it makes you think about it. So so how do we get divided? The enemy starts in small ways with small offenses. Unmet expectations is the breeding ground for offenses in our relationships. It's
0: true. Unmet expectations are the breeding ground of offenses in our relationships. So what's the, what's the problem with expectations? There's nothing wrong with having expectations, but sometimes our expectations are unrealistic would you agree sometimes they're even unspoken how many of you would agree with that one sometimes we don't communicate our expectations expectations are great if you communicate them on the front side and you start to have a conversation about them like if I sit down and say hey babe I really need you to do this and she goes bro you tripping I ain't doing that I'm like well why Well, because of this, and then I gain understanding why she doesn't want to do that. I would rather do that on the front side by communicating those expectations instead of having the backlash on the backside of just putting that unrealistic expectation on her and then she feeling the pressure from that and pushing it back. Does that make sense? It's better to communicate your expectations on the front side. So when it so when it comes to premarital uh, premarital uh, counseling, a lot of times in premarital counseling we deal with expectations. Like one of the courses we use, we go through like who's taking out the trash. I mean, it sounds really simplistic, doesn't it? But listen to me: some people really getting some big old fights over the trash. And the answer is, if you have a son, the son always takes out the trash. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Who's going to wash the car? Who's going to clean the house? Who's going to cook? Those are some simple expectations that if they're not communicated on the front side can cause some havoc on the back side. Because here's the problem with expectations is, is one unrealistic expectation doesn't cause a fight. It's a bunch of them stacked on top of each other that get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And so if we don't ever communicate those things, then we end up in a place We're we're honestly, heat starts to happen, frustration starts to happen, and then sometimes we put unrealistic expectations on each other. Cheryl and I came into into marriage coming from two different places. She came from a home of alcoholics. I came from a home of Baptists. Okay, so (laughs) if you've ever been Baptist, you don't drink and you don't dance, right? And you tithe every Sunday. I love my Baptist people. And so, so she came from there. I came from here. We both came into marriage with two different mindsets, with two different expectations. She put expectations on me that I could never feel. Right. These were expectations that only God himself could feel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we put those expectations on somebody else. Like, you need to meet all of my emotional needs. You need to meet all of my intimate. You need to meet all these needs in me. And listen to me. They're not even designed or created to meet those needs. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so you'll live frustrated because this is what the enemy does. The enemy takes what's unrealistic and he makes it personal. Hmm. You getting this? So he'll take the unrealistic expectations that we have for one another, and he'll make it personal. And so instead of going, well, maybe they can't meet my need, we start thinking, well, they don't want to meet my need. They don't love me like they said. They they don't do this. And so if you're not careful, unrealistic expectations can get you into trouble. And then there's unspoken expectations. My wife has a very good understanding of this because (laughs) I taught her. I'm gonna explain. Uh, my wife would my wife would have expectations for me that she never communicated, and and so I would come home from a hard day's work, and she and she was you know, we'll call it raising kids, but she was battling with the kids all day, and and it was tough. And she expected me to come into the house. Remember, I had my expectation. She had her expectation, that I would come in. Strip off my work clothes, put on some other clothes, and come in and run into the kitchen and wash the dishes and fold the clothes and be her man that would come in and swoop her off her feet. The problem is that she—that's
1: great. That's like, yeah.
0: It does sound great. Yeah, it's unrealistic. I know, it's a fairy um,
1: tale. Anyway, let's move on.
0: But but she would she she had expectations on me that were never spoken. So she would expect me to do things. But here was the problem. She expected me to notice it, number one, Mm -hmm. and then to jump on it and do it. So I taught her how unrealistic that is. And now when she sits with young mamas and young wives, she goes, baby, listen to me. They're men. you just going to have to tell them. You're going to have to tell them. Can you help me with this? And it's okay. Just listen, trust me. Just tell them. I need you to wash the dishes. Can you take care of the? Di- I need you to go change this diaper. Can you change it? Mm-hmm. Tell us. Yep. Come on, guys.
1: Amen. And then women go. Well, but I shouldn't have to. Well, yeah, but you have to because they don't. They just don't naturally go. Oh, look, there's dirty laundry right there. Let me put that washing. No, that don't happen.
0: That's woman job.
1: Uh, no, not really. It's no, all job. It's Everyone, all everyone's yeah, job.
0: Everybody's job. <laughs>
1: Dang, everyone, everyone.
0: Good
1: try, though.
0: So she would start to fuss and say, I'm the only one that takes out the trash. Why do I always have to get up with the baby? Well, that's because you were feeding it a certain way. I couldn't help.
1: True story.
0: Forget that formula stuff, bro. So Matthew 19, 6 says this. So what God unites, let no one divide. He says to let no one divide. Cheryl and I learned early on that we are part of that no one divide. Sometimes we read that verse and we think there's an outside source coming to try to divide us. But the reality is more often than not, it's us trying to divide each other with selfishness, with unrealistic expectations, with all these things that we're working through. Mm -hmm. lack of communication amen and so let no one divide you know what God's saying to every one of us who are married today you don't even divide yourselves Mm. wow that puts a lot of pressure on us doesn't it I need to be careful not to cause division in my own marriage offense is something that's called an event but to be offended is a decision (laughs) to be offended is Is a decision. I wish I could tell you, I could give you something that would prevent all offenses from coming into your life. But the reality is, is I can't stop that. Nobody can. Nobody can stop the offenses from coming. But you can start to deal with how you handle those offenses when they come. In other words, you don't have to be offended. Come on, shake your head. You don't have to be offended. We got to learn how to deal with with the offenses when they're small and not build fences because it doesn't happen at one time it happens one at a time Mm. so what happens when we get offended if you've been offended for a little while you start to wonder where'd the love go you ever find yourself there where you're offended you've been mad at each other for a while and you've not come together you've not fought to get back together and you've just sat in this moment or this season of offense mm. and then you start you, see the problem with that is that you, you leave the door wide open for the enemy to come and speak to you and he starts going you see they really don't love you they never came back and made it right you see they really don't love you look how much time's going by you see they really don't love you they're not even trying to reconcile this thing they don't love you they don't love you they don't love you and then you start to question well where's the love can i tell you where the love is the love is on the other side of that fence and the minute you decide to tear that fence down, the love is there. What, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we got to fight to tear fences down and to keep them from coming up because that's where the love is. Amen? I've heard too many people say, I don't even know if I love them anymore. Listen to me. You still love them. You just can't express it. You can't feel it. You can't even see it because there's a big old fence up around you. Amen? Jesus said this in Matthew 5:23. such a good verse. He says, if you're presenting a gift before the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember a quarrel with a fellow believer, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. Then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. And let me break this verse down just for a second because I think it's worth spending a couple of minutes on. He says this, if you're, if you're planning to bring a gift to the altar... In other words, if you're planning to do something for God, if you're planning to give something to God, if you're planning to lay something at his feet, he says this, because God's the recipient in this story, right? Somebody's laying something at his feet. If you're planning to present something to God, but you remember that somebody, there's an offense in a relationship, you know what he's saying to you? He's saying, leave your gift right here. It is unacceptable until you go and make the offense right. You see, you see it? Like I don't want your gift. I want your reconciliation in the relationship. Listen to me clearly today. Relationships matter to God and they should matter to us. And every relationship is worth fighting for. Every relationship is worth fighting for. It doesn't matter what the person did to you. It doesn't matter all those things. They matter. But the relationship is still worth fighting for. No matter what. It's worth fighting for. And God says in this verse, to go, to leave your present here and go and make the offense right. Now, I was thinking about that and I said, you know what? That means if he tells me to leave my gift here, then that means he has an expectation and I'm going to come back quickly. Because he didn't say to take your gift with you, fix the offense, and then come back. What did he say? He said, leave your gift right here. What does that mean? That means I'm expecting you to go make that right, and it come right back here. There has to be an urgency in us when offenses happen to deal with them. Can I say that one more time? There needs to be an urgency in us that when offenses happen, we go and we make them right. You know what it requires? (laughs) Dry throat. It requires a whole lot of humility. It requires a love for the relationship that is greater than the offense that you're walking through. It requires some tenacity inside of you that says, I'm fighting for this. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not giving up. I'm fighting for this thing. Come hell or high water, we're going to make this thing right. And if i got to die to myself, swallow my stupid pride, and go to them and apologize first, then so be it. So be it. You know what that says? You may be the more mature one. It's not that you're less, it actually says that you're more. If you take your offense and you bring it to somebody, say, hey, listen, that hurt. I love you too much to be hurt. It hurt me when you did this. Can you help me to understand? You know what that says about you? That you value that relationship. You care for that person enough to risk it, enough to humble yourself and go back and fight for it. There's too many bad relationships that have been going on for too long. You can't make them perfect, but you can make them right. Amen? You can make them right. There's an urgency in this verse. Because here's the truth. The time it takes from being offended to being reunited is the measurement of maturity. You see, all of a sudden, Cheryl and I don't offend each other. It's not like we stopped offending each other. We offend each other all day long. I lost some weight. She still thinks, I need to lose more weight. I get offended. I want some cheerleaders. Booyah! Jamie lost some weight. You do. But I have expectations. We, we offend each other every day, but sometimes we choose not to let those things become an offense and to get offended. You follow me? So it's not like we stopped offending It's just we've closed the gap. How do you close that gap? Mm -hmm. Communication. Desire for healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. A yearning inside to to enjoy relationships. Is this making sense? Mm -hmm. So this means that you can't even properly connect with God unless you drop your offense. So if you're offended in a relationship you got to learn to drop it. Now listen to me clearly. I don't mean you don't deal with it. I don't mean you drop it like it's hot. Okay? How how do we drop offenses? Number one, you have to engage. You have to sit down with some empathy and some, and some, some desire for understanding. And you have to sit with the person who's offended you. Listen to me. It takes time relationships take time. That's why they're the most important thing in your life. They take time. How do you drop it? You you address it. You engage. You sit down with empathy and understanding. And you say, listen, help me to understand what's going on here. I feel this way. Can you help me understand how you feel? Can we? And then once you gain that understanding, you know what you do? You drop it. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because that's how Jesus treats me. Because listen to me, I offend Cheryl a lot, but I offend Jesus all day long. And when he forgives me, he drops it. You know what he's never done? He's never brought my past back up and thrown it in my face. When we drop it, we leave it there. I'm going to say that one more time. When we drop it, we leave it there. Because this is the problem. Every time you bring it back up, It recirculates, it rebreeds, it comes back around, you feel it all over again, right? And then the, the person that you're bringing it back up to goes, I'll never get over this. You'll hold this over me for the rest of my life. Make sense? So the enemy wants you to hold it, God wants you to drop it. You can't control what's handed to you, but you can control how you handle it.
1: So sometimes reconciliation is not possible, but release is always available. And so I'm going to share some of my testimony with um, my dad. Oh, I said I was going to cry. Okay. <laughs> um, I remember getting the phone call that he was on the way to the hospital, and it wasn't good. And I remember praying... God, please, please. And because I knew that I had some stuff, some offenses that I never dealt with, and some hurts and some wounds that I held against him. And I knew that I did not do what I needed to do before he passed. So when it happened suddenly, and by the time I got to the hospital, he was gone. So, I remember um, that I was still holding those things on, and you know, you just try to, even though they're gone, you still have those things, right? You carry them along with you, like baggage, and so through God, inner healing and counseling, I was able to release those things, and those hurts, and those wounds, and I was able to see my father in a different perspective and f- truly forgive because forgiveness is a big thing um, and unforgiveness is a bigger thing. So the point is is that we're not promised a tomorrow. We're not promised a tomorrow. So the urgency is in every relationship, our marriage, with our kids, with our friends, um, with our parents, that we deal with those offenses that we deal with those hurts and those wounds and those offense you know just our stuff that we deal with it the right way because it was a process that I never intended to walk through but it's a process that I did have to walk through and I'm very grateful because forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and finding out the prisoner was me and so um yeah so deal with your offenses Don't let the sun, that's why God says don't let the sun go down.
0: That's right. So sometimes reconciliation is not possible, but release is always available. So this is what God wants for us today. He wants us to begin to release some things today. (laughs) Maybe there's a relationship that you feel like you can't reconcile. Maybe there's someone who's passed and moved on, and you're living with a certain amount of regret or things inside of you that you can't, you feel like I just can't reconcile that. Like it's too late, it's done. You may not ever be able to reconcile it, but you can release it. Yeah. And you can extend forgiveness for it. Amen. And that's what God wants us to do. And I'm thankful that God gives us a way to deal with offenses. I'm thankful that His 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 message towards relationships has an urgency to it. Because the thing I learned watching my wife walk through that was that was this. That, that with my kids, with my children, I'm going to fight to not ever let they come to a place where we can't reconcile something, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, that, that requires me to, to live humble. It requires me to live aware. It requires me to live intentional. Every relationship matters, and we don't have a lot of time with them, right. do we? Yeah. They're important, mm-hmm. and God helps us with that. And so that's what we have this morning. So a couple of things that divide us, man, it's, it's unappreciated differences. It's unrelenting selfishness. It's unresolved offenses. When it comes to your differences, can I tell you this this morning, that God wants to leverage your differences. And he actually puts you together with those differences because iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens the other. Cheryl and I are better together than we are separate. Amen? We're more powerful, we're more balanced, we're more healthy because we're together. So can I pray for you this morning? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for marriage, God. We thank you for intimate relationships. We thank you that every relationship matters, God. I'm grateful, Lord, for how you've pressed on us the the importance and the urgency when it comes to the health of a relationship. God, I'm grateful that even in the darkest hours, even in the darkest times when we're fighting and there seems to be no resolve, you're still working you're still moving you're still doing something incredible you're not this is all this is not for nothing you're doing something god and lord i'm grateful for this relationship with cheryl that you've given me because it helps me to better understand how much you love me it helps me to better understand how much you care for me that you would give me someone like cheryl To spend my life with on this planet. And that God, you would use each of us to make each other holy. And the results of that holiness comes happiness and joy. Thank you, Lord. So today, God, I pray over every marriage here this morning. That what the enemy has tried to destroy by bringing division, even what we've allowed to divide us ourselves, I pray today, God, that reconciliation would start to happen. I pray, God, that we would leave the gift at the altar and go take care of the offense. And no matter what happened, no matter what is going on, no matter how or why or if we can see a a result or, or an outcome, I pray today, God, that you would lead us fight, a good fight for relationships. And so today, God, I stand before you, a man who is grateful for every good fight that I fought. None of them were fought in vain. All of them came with a reward. And so today, God, we bless you and we thank you. I pray your hand over every marriage, over every intimate relationship. God, we would begin to see you move mightily in the days and weeks and months to come. That, God, we would experience the true joy of a holy marriage, the true joy of a blessed marriage. That, God, our marriage would preach the gospel. It would preach the forgiveness of God. It would preach the redeeming power of God. It would preach the of God. It would preach the love of God and the care of God. It would preach the gospel. And so today, Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thank you, babe.